Welcome to Bell's House. I'm your host, Robert Flippo. And I'm your host, Tyler Welter. And today we're talking about the fourth Val Kilmer movie, Willow. It was an experience watching the movie. Um, I'll tell you this real quick. Uh, I realized it was the fourth one halfway through and was like, my God, what have we done? I know. It's like we've been doing it for six years. <laughs> yeah. This has already gone on too long and it's only been a month. <laughs> He is way too prolific of an actor. We've got another, like, we've got over a year still just to catch up to where he is currently. And then probably by the time we're there, then he's going to have another movie out, which would actually be exciting if we get to go see a Val Kilmer movie in theater and then do it on podcast. Yeah. Uh, Perhaps going to the premiere after our podcast gets big when we meet Val Kilmer. That's true. After we become Val Pals with the Val himself, Literal we can go Val to the Val. premiere. That would be... That's the dream, everybody. That's the only reason we're doing this. <laughs> is the realistic goal of becoming best friends with Val Kilmer and going to the premiere of whatever movie gets released in 2016 starring Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer has taught me anything. It's hard work and determination. Make your goals come true. <laughs> that and maybe some good abs. I don't know. Whatever. On <laughs> this movie, a fun braided hairdo. Yeah. Uh, so, Val Pals, for anybody that is just joining us for the fourth episode, I don't know why you started now. Um, watching every Val Kilmer movie in chronological order, and then every movie we've get some self-help advice to try and make us better people. Uh, So last week we watched Top Gun and we had two bits of advice. I remember what mine was because I came up with it and mine was like Val Kilmer embraces Tom Cruise at the end of the movie was to embrace something that you would not normally like and uh, try some new stuff that you think you wouldn't enjoy. Um, I don't remember, I don't actually remember what Tyler's was. It's been a week, and now I don't remember what it was. Um, mine was to work well with people you don't necessarily like, and then I destroyed your soul. Oh, there we go. Yeah, he broke my heart at the end of the last episode. That's right. That's why I forgot about it, because I, I blocked it out of my memory in order to move on with the podcast, because we threatened to quit. After <laughs> After he threw that gauntlet down. Uh, so I know I uh, blocked that out, so I didn't really focus on that bit of self-help advice uh, this week. But my self-help advice, I tried out some things. Um, I tried listening to a Miley Cyrus album. And then... How'd that go? Uh, I had to turn it off halfway through, not because I hated it, but because I was enjoying it too much. <laughs> and I was like, I, I feel like I somehow cheated the system on that one. <laughs> and I was actually kind of digging it. There was some, there's some good tunes on that Miley Cyrus album. Which album? Uh, her new ones, uh, Bangers. 
I think is what it's called, probably. Something like that. It sounds dumb enough to be the name of the Miley Cyrus album. I will check it out and see if I have similar results. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you, you've you delved into the pop music with me as well a little bit. So. Yeah, we've been trying that out some, and we both like <laughs> our female vocals. Yeah. Uh, this one's called Bangers. I bet everybody made this joke, but I hope her next album is in MASH. So that is... <laughs> Oh, Bangers and Mash. Everyone made that joke. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, everyone thought the same thing about the Miley Cyrus album. I don't know Bangers if it's a high or a low like, idea of humanity. <laughs> I sometimes forget that not everyone's as just dumb as me. And then that's like, I'm like, yeah, clearly this is the baseline of humor. It's bangers and mash. That's right. Right. That's where we're residing in 2015. Everyone, the zeitgeist, bangers and mash. <laughs> I'm glad we brought the giggling back. We promised very satisfied with how this one's been going so far. Yeah, cut a little too much giggling out of the second and third episode. Bringing it back in the fourth episode. I'm trying to think, the other thing is I tried, uh, my girlfriend started watching Grey's Anatomy, and so I ended up watching, I think I've maybe caught like three episodes of that, just like hanging out at her house. And I remember whenever it was, on initially, I was like, that show looks so dumb. And it's actually, like, not a terrible show. It's not, I wouldn't seek it out to sit down and watch my own, but having it be something that's just, like, on at somebody's house. Like, oh, yeah, there's some, like, funny lines. Catherine Heigl's in it. I had no idea. I was not aware of that. Um, I think so. I had, like, a few episodes, like, my mom used to watch it. And I remember kind of hating it, but I bet now I'd be like, this is okay. Yeah, it's like, it's really not terrible. A good girlfriend show. Yes. You can be like, yeah, I'll go down and watch one, but not a, I am going to consume this series show. Yeah. And then the, then the last thing that I tried out, because my experiment with Miley Cyrus uh, kind of backfired, and I ended up just enjoying it. Uh, on Monday at an open mic, I like I made a joke disparaging Nickelback, which I feel like it, at this point is a little bit of a hack thing to do. So as punishment, I then had to go and listen to an album of Nickelback. And their newest album is so terrible. It's just like... It's one of those things where I was starting to question, I was like, is Nickelback as bad as I think they are and have been saying for all these years and making all the offhanded jokes? And yeah, they're really, really bad. Yeah, it was horrifying. Reputation. Yeah, I was very disheartened. It was sad. Even just, I was like, I thought I was going to get a little bit of enjoyment out of it, of like, Doing this as a joke for the podcast, but it just like it bummed me out. Like <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know what what the purpose of it was, but I made it all the way through the album. So 
<laughs> I guess I accomplished one thing. Did the same thing as you and completely forgot your self-help advice. So, this time, I'm going to actually note it. <laughs> Not immediately forget about it. Because, uh, yeah, I immediately forgot about it. I did do one fun new thing that uh, I've never done before, which is go drive out during the tornado. Oh! The other day because uh, one of my friend's drunk dad decided to order Chinese, uh, and he was like at the bar next to the Chinese place, but then he was too drunk to drive when the Chinese was ready. <laughs> so we had to go pick it up. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'm willing to die for this Chinese food. Let's roll. <laughs> I feel like the number of times that people in history have said, I'm willing to die for this Chinese food, <laughs> is probably, like, way higher than anyone would ever guess. <laughs> Famous last word. <laughs> so, I was trying to say that uh, I tried out storm chasing, which is something I never thought I would do. Yeah, really that's uh, totally did. (laughs) Accidental storm chasing is uh, even better than actual storm chasing. There's a real element of danger (laughs) in the accidental storm chasing. Uh, We didn't know where that tornado was. Probably right on top of our heads. Yeah, I never, I never even found out how much damage it did in Tulsa. Did it really? Did like? Drop down and do much damage? Oh, a little bit. I I only heard of, like, one fatality, but it uh, hit Sand Springs and downtown a little bit. So I was driving okay. to Sand Springs, and there was, you know, trees down and a house with a tree in it. Oh. All right. That's pretty intense. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, any other business of wrapping up our self-help from last week? Well, we're still doing the podcast, so that's how we're following my awakening. <laughs> that's true. Uh, I think all I had to do to follow your advice was just come back to the podcast. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's. <laughs> there we go. Mission accomplished. <laughs> we're better people. All right. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, let's get into talking about <laughs> let's get into talking about Willow because it's now that point in the podcast. Oh wait, actually, do we have any Val Kilmer trivia? That's supposed to be our next segment. Yeah, we do have some Val Kilmer trivia, which is he met his wife slash ex-wife. It's his co-star Joanne Whaley. He met doing this film and got married for a while. Oh, yeah! That was our good trivia for this. Which reminds me that I then looked up more trivia about it, and that when they got divorced, he basically went off to film a movie and had no idea that she wanted a divorce. And then she was like, yeah, by the way, want a divorce? And he found out about it just like in a hotel room watching CNN. And that's how he (laughs) found out that he was getting divorced. But I think he was filming, like, The Island of Dr. Moreau with Marlon Brando. So, like, if you're going to be filming a movie while someone is divorcing you, that's probably a good one. I'm sure 
Marlon Brando had some good uh, post-divorce advice for Val Kilmer. Oh, that's a couple. Which is why his career has been so that. great since that movie. <laughs> really took off after the Island of Dr. Moreau. <laughs> yeah. So, want to talk about? Actually, you talk about the film now. Go yeah. into go into Willow. Uh, impressions. Uh, so it's kind of weird that like neither of us saw this movie. It's like a yeah. moderately big family film from like a year and a half before we were born. Yeah, I don't know how I missed it. It it seems like something that would have been really big in the kind of environments that we both grew up in, which was yeah. heavily influenced by, like, 80s fantasy and science fiction. I'm like, yeah. my older brothers it's really let me down. A, it's definitely, like, way better than a lot of, like, the childhood films I watched. So, like, this definitely could have flooded right in there, and I would have been happy. Yeah. Probably. And I, I still enjoyed it today. Uh, I, I don't usually... Not super on board for family films, but it was uh, pretty fun. Yeah, it was very interesting. There was a lot of just, like, weird stuff happening that I was pretty cool with. It, like, was just one of the tropiest things I've ever seen. That was a thing that, uh, I feel like, I don't know what it is about the 80s and, like, 80s fantasy. Because I've seen, I have seen Legend, and then there's this, and it's like, they all have a very similar look. and then. They just feel like someone writing fantasy after hearing, like, three fantasy books described to them. They didn't actually read the fantasy books themselves. Someone, like, told them, here are the plot points of these three fantasy novels. Now go write the screenplay to your fantasy movie. And that's what, like, every 80s fantasy movie ends up being. But uh, in this case, the three fantasy stories were Exodus and then... Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, <laughs> and uh, I guess, like, The Hobbit. I mean, the classic fantasy triumvirate. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves and The Hobbit. That's like... It's not too... Just the, you know, baby in the reeds and going down the river. I mean, it's like, you put them together and you get George R. R. Martin. It's like, come on. Like, everybody... Everybody knows that's where you start. But the, the bad guy, or... Evil Sorceress was just straight-up Maleficent. Down to, like, the way she looked and everything. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. I I see the inspiration here. Uh, yeah, that, that's kind of one of the being a kid's movie thing, too, is you not know, going to have, like, a super dense or intricate plot. It's going to be like, here yeah. is how these stories go. Yeah, it'd be a good primer for, like, someone who's, you know, young and getting into fantasy. It wouldn't be... Because, like, they don't go into a whole lot of deep mythology or anything. They reference that, like, there's a prophecy, and then it's go time from there. And that's all you got to deal with. There's a prophecy, chosen one, bad person. Let's go. It's my uh, favorite kind of prophecy in that, like, she was a prophesized, like, savior. And that prophecy is what saved the world. She didn't do anything. She just gave them a reason to go fight her. Yeah. <laughs> like, they killed the evil witch because they had to save her, but, like, her job, <laughs> the baby's job is to kill the evil witch. I don't know if you noticed that, but I was like, oh, yes, by being the chosen one, she just got everyone together to go actually do it. 
Yeah, I never really thought of it that way. That is the most ballin' way to be a prophesied hero, and that, like, you do it as a baby before, you know, you actually have to do anything, and then you get to live with the benefits for the rest of your life. Like, yeah, that guy's the hero that saved us. And he's like, yeah, I totally was. But you didn't do anything. Uh, I liked the the baby was super cute. And yeah. did some good acting, but I thought there was, like, a little bit too much just... Here's how the baby's reacting to the situation. Yeah, too many baby reaction shots. Some of them completely hilarious and felt like they were made for, like, Twitter or Tumblr, even though that was, <laughs> like, 20 years ago. Uh, I, like, really enjoyed the performances, including the baby. Pretty solid. Warp Davis was super fun. I like, yeah. I am so on Willow's side. Let's. He's the coolest. Yeah, although I will say uh, the movie is called Willow. Main character's name is Willow. The actor that plays him named Warwick. That's way cooler. <laughs> this should have just been called Warwick. <laughs> That's fancy That would have been. Yeah, he already sounds like it's a fancy, fancy character. I only noticed one Willow tree. I was kind of on the lookout for him. <laughs> Is that the crossroads? There's a willow tree. I hope that's in the IMDb trivia. Like, <laughs> there is a willow tree. It's, speaking of Warwick Davis, he was somehow third billed. Despite being the title character, he gets third billing. Being like by far the most screen time of anyone. Like, top yeah. billing Zell Kilmer. He doesn't show up until 25 minutes into this movie. Is that how long? Yeah. It took for him to show up? I thought it took forever. I was like, when's Val Kilmer going to get here? But I thought it was like 15, maybe even like closer to 10. That's too long to hide Val Kilmer from an audience, in my opinion. Especially when he's the like, top build. Village scene before him, though. Like, that was yeah. most of that time. I had my most was... enjoyment of this movie before the brownies were introduced. So, <laughs> really digging those parts. Yeah. I feel like I need to go back and read articles about Jar Jar Binks at the time and see how many comparisons there were to the brownies in Willow because that's what all I could think. I was like, they're just the Jar Jar Binks of this movie. Although, yeah. a little more enjoyable than Jar Jar Binks. I, yeah, they gave me some actual laughs. It's a, but. It's a direct lineage of R2-D2, C3-EPO, to Jar Jar Binks, it goes through the brownies. <laughs> if their voices weren't, like, made to be so high-pitched, I would have liked them more. Even though they were still doing dumb stuff most of the time, I would have had more laughs, but yeah. I couldn't handle the realness of their voices. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's... Maybe that's the downside of the the, like, family film aspect of it, and that those characters are things that, like, young children will probably latch on to. And be like, oh, the little guys were so funny and weird because I'm too young to understand plots and things. I'm doing my best to not refer to them as the little people because they're, you know, <laughs> little miniature people. They're, you know, shrunk down to inch size through the use of modern, uh, at the time, special effects. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I really want to talk about the special effects. Yeah. The, there's a lot to say. Effects-driven, like, family film I've ever seen. You hear about, like, action films being effects-driven. This, whoa. So many effects. It's crazy. And I wonder, because, like, now we see the effects of, like, the brownies and stuff. And we're like, oh, that looks, they're obviously just, like, green-screened in and all that stuff. And we're like, at the time, what, did that just blow people's brains? And they were like, there's little tiny people in this movie. How did they film it? Or did they know? I've always, I've always been fascinated to know if that's the case. Because, like, I remember when the Nintendo 64 came out and we went from, like, 2D graphics to all these 3D games. And, like, playing Mario 64 and stuff and being like, this looks like real life. But yeah. now, looking back, you're like, no, it's, like, polygons and stuff. Yeah, it was probably super fine. But a lot of the effects hold up. Most of them really do. The the only one that's not good is the brownie effect. So. Uh, the, like, fairy spirit also was a little weak. Yeah. And, uh, this one was also just, like, too long by a half. Yeah, it was too long, and the last, like, half hour, 45 minutes just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, it might have just been the fact that I was tired because I had watched I watched the movie after working today, but uh, I just didn't really understand a whole lot of what was going on in the last, like, half hour. I understood that, like, they were trying to defeat the bad person, things were happening, but then there stopped being any justification for, like, lightning bolts striking people and killing them and just, like, weird stuff going on. So... Sorceress. Oh, that's the, the other uh, classical reference, um, which I could actually remember her name now, but, uh, I mean, the classical person. Or the sorceress. The sorceress turns them all into pigs. Yeah. Like a certain odyssey, which uh, Queen Bathmorda is the, the villain. Is yeah. The villain. I feel like I should know these names better, because despite being weird fantasy names, they just shout each other's names constantly. Yeah, I don't know that personal pronouns exist in this fantasy <laughs> world. That's just like one of the weird things. It's like we've got magic and no personal pronouns. <laughs> A very descriptive fantasy world. <laughs> we haven't really talked about Val Kilmer. Um, I liked his uh, his intro of trying to strangle Warwick Davis, uh, and I'm trying to think of what I feel about his performance in this. I like it for the most part, but it actually seems a little bit inconsistent in yeah. some ways. He's going like pretty big and over the top, which is like yeah. fine for this, but. I don't know. I wasn't left fully happy with it. Uh, actually, like, his sword play left a lot to be desired. That's probably mostly, like, the stuntman and the choreographer's fault. Yeah. But that was that was one of my biggest disappointments in the movie. Yeah, there was a lot of... Sword play was kind of lame. Yeah, just kind of, like, flailing around. He was really good at, like, taking the sword and, like, flipping it on end and catching it. He got that part down. Uh, but I'm worried he maybe spent all of his practice time just doing that and not actually practicing his fighting moves. Uh, so then he just 
turn into like a flailing sock puppet whenever he was actually fighting things. He did like he was a lot of like comic relief at points, and I feel like he got some great lines. A lot of he apparently funny had lines. a ton of it. Really? Yeah. So I don't know if those are worse lines, but apparently he had yeah. lived a ton of them. Interesting. Uh, I know one of my like favorite lines was when uh, it was after he had like the love potion, and then he tells the chick that he loves her, and then like the next day he's like, "Wait, I told her I loved her. I don't love her. She kicked me in the face." And the way he delivers the line is like, I don't love her. She kicked me in the face. It's perfect. I was very pleased with the way that line was delivered. Uh, I hope I, we also got treated to the first in what I assume is going to be many instances of Elkhomer and drag. Yes. <laughs> Did not disappoint. Yeah. Uh, I, like The guy came in and was like flirting with her and like he had such a mustache. I know. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's working. It's like, I was not expecting to see Val Kilmer in drag, and so, like, when it first happened, I was like, I know this is a fantasy movie. I didn't realize it was a fantasy movie. Like, <laughs> something else. <laughs> Wish fulfilled. But, uh, it, you know, it proves what I've always said, and that when it comes to a fight, I'll take Val Kilmer in a dress over anybody else because he kicks a lot of butt while he's in that dress. Yeah. I was wondering, have we seen Val Kilmer shirtless in every single movie so far? Because, like, I know he spends a lot of time shirtless in this, shirtless in, like, the volleyball scene, in Top Gun, uh, in Real Genius. He, like, I feel like he wakes up and is shirtless as he's going around, like, the dorm at one point. Mm -hmm. But I can't remember if he was shirtless in Top Secret. I can't remember, and I feel like I would. Uh, I, I feel like I would, too. But it also would, like, totally fit in the movie. So yeah. Guess we'll just have to watch Top Secret again sometime. Can't oh, wait. Oh, darn. What a chore. <laughs> but I'm definitely going to keep a running tally now of how many movies in a row we see Val Kilmer shirtless. And when that when that streak is going to end, it's like obviously the doors we're going to see him shirtless, but I don't remember what's after Willow. So here's the hope. Batman, we see him shirtless. Mike, I feel like we have to see him shirtless in Batman. Yeah, it's been a it's, it's been actually a while since True Man will definitely break the streak. <laughs> I'm like, I know it's going to die somewhere in the mid '90s. And then we'll be thankful for it in the 2000s. But till then, we got to enjoy all these, all these Kilmer abs while we can. Uh, oh, what a, I didn't take a whole lot of notes, but one of the notes I did take was that I love an intense sledding sequence. Oh yeah, nothing beats it. Pure joy watching the sledding sequence, and part of, and I was thinking about how. Uh, you can tell it, this was made in the 80s and not the 90s, because if it was the 90s, he would have been snowboarding somehow <laughs> with, like, a, some sort of jury-rigged fantasy equivalent of a backwards hat and sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of mentioned this earlier, how it kind of looks like all the movies from its time, and I love that look. 
like just the way it, like the lens and the lighting it's just very warm and inviting yeah it like the color palette is so open compared to what we get in a lot of fantasy and stuff now where it's like oh it's so grim and dark we can only allow like three colors to shine through and this is just like no it's a fantasy like we can have blue and green and yellow and orange we can have it all so, <laughs> i i agree with the way that it looks is is fun uh i'm at like i want to know what the what the middle ground is between like that warmth and inviting nature of the 80s, like, fantasy movies, and the, like, kind of gritty realism that we get now. Because, and I think it's probably just, like, special effects would help even it out, in that, uh, it, you know, when they're walking around in, like, the castles and stuff, they just obviously look like sets that are made out of, I don't know, like, styrofoam or something like that. And you're like, okay, this does not look realistic, but I don't think that it's really the color palette. I think it's just kind of what they were dealing with special effects-wise at the time. Because even, uh, I feel like Lord of the Rings, like the the original trilogy, I feel like that's still, there's still a lot of color in those movies. Yeah. But like before they get to Mordor, obviously. And those don't look kind of cheesy in the way that I feel like this does. Yeah, that's that's probably the answer you're looking for of the middle ground yeah. then and now is early 2000s fair enough <laughs> lord of the rings let's get back to that uh i had this thought definitely during it uh with Scott Hummer's long flowing hair and sword uh what if he like it was 10 years later he was born and he was in lord of the rings do you think that could have happened do you think he could have got cast i think so I I'm like he looked like he could star in Lord of the Rings in this movie. Yeah, I feel like uh, I feel like he would have been an elf in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. like he could have been Legolas. Easy, easy Legolas, and that way he wouldn't have to learn how to use a sword. It would have worked out for everyone. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think uh, what other Val Kilmer's specific things I had. Uh, just how creepy his love potion courtship. Of sorcerer yeah. was just sneaking into your bedroom at night, confessing my love, reciting poetry. It's a, it's a fantasy world. That's healthy yeah. in fantasy worlds. They're basically married at that point. Uh, so yeah, that was a weird sequence, and their whole like relationship was really strange. And there didn't seem to be a whole lot of basis for it, other than like they're two pretty attractive people. So there's, they've, they've got that going for them. But, I mean, when they first see each other, they are on opposite sides of a conflict that will most likely end in at least one of their deaths. Um, I don't know how that happens. And there's, like, the kind of tropey sequence of, like, he's taken her captive. She starts to run away. He chases after her. They, like, get tangled up, and then they land on the ground, and he's, like, pinning her down forcefully, and then they, like, look into each other's eyes and, like, oh, wait, this feels right. And I'm like, I don't think that's okay. Uh, uh, her switching sides apparently make more sense in, like, original drafts. Uh, they excise the part where, like, her dad is, like, a good king in the castle they fight the dragon in. 
and like she interacts with him frozen in ice there, and that's why she switches sides, not just because Velcomer's pretty. That, that makes been, the whole thing more satisfying. Yeah, that makes that makes so much more sense. I don't know why. I don't know what like if they like shot those scenes and then did a test screening and people were like, we don't believe that. But we'll believe it if she just turns against her mom because Val Kilmer's so sexy. We'll believe that one. But this intricate story that makes sense about how she's conflicted between her father and her mother and all that stuff. So, like, that's too much. It's kind of down to Val Kilmer being sexy. Uh, thinking about that. You got anything else? I think we basically covered Willow to the extent that we can. Uh, so now we'll move into our self-help advice. And I know I've thought of one, so I'll go first, and we'll uh, we'll go from there. We'll oh, go from there. <laughs> Cut that out. I probably have to leave that in and share my shame with everybody. Show how dumb my brain is. I'm like, bangers and mash. Will O. Uh, get it? Uh, terrible. But yeah, so my my self-help advice is based off of the uh, creepy love affair w- between Val Kilmer and his uh, future wife, I guess. But he goes in, he's under the influence of a love potion, and proceeds to tell her how much he loves her and recites poetry to her and all that. Um, so my self-help advice is to tell the people in your life that you love that you love them because I think uh, we don't do that enough and that's something we should do. I know, like, I haven't talked to, like, I haven't talked to my brothers in a while and it's like, yeah, I should probably talk to them and remind them that uh, I love them. So I think that's a good, a good bit of advice to keep in mind. Yeah. Beautiful. Although, for again, I don't have to work on that one. I do it all the time. <laughs> so. Well, la di da, Mister. I'm so successful with my loving people. <laughs> but. Oh, I like I I thought of one and then like kind of lost it in the film. Oh, I got one. So my self help advice is from that self same scene uh, where I'll be under the influence of a love potion. Val Kilmer goes. And try, and says what he's feeling to the one he loves. He isn't shy about it. He puts himself out there, and it's important to uh, put yourselves out there, not to be closed off and guarded. All right, I like that. We got kind of two sides from uh, the same scene. One's just like tell the people you love, you love them. Then the other is uh, tell being like want to love. Then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's what we're trying to do here, Valpals. We're trying to get you laid. So, so write in with your stories of how Valpals has helped you in your love life. But yeah, I, I think that's at it. our Facebook page. <laughs> yeah, Facebook.com. Valpals, talk about all them Val Kilmer sexy stories you got, um, and we'll we'll read them on air, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I I can't promise to do that with the thousands we'll receive. You can't read them all, but we'll read a few. Well, we'll, yeah, we'll pick our favorites. So I guess we get to look forward to that. We're watching whatever next week's movie is. I don't even know what it is. And reading Valcomer Sexy Stories. Dead Guy something. This is the first one that I've never heard of. Kill Me Again. Next week. 
please do join us. It'll be a good time. It'll be great. Until then, uh, work on being better people, guys. We're doing it, too.